Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. Glad you're here. As I said, my name is Matt Hiltebrand. I'm one of the elders here. And I think last week we had the distinct honor of hearing from one of our elder elders. And now you hear from one of the younger elders. Um, but it's my privilege to be here. And what, a, what an awesome thing it is to see people that just gather here at the stage, at the foot of the stage, and just bow before the Lord, worshiping God together. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. I just love to see that. Just pouring their hearts out to God and worshiping our Creator. Well, if you're a guest here, I wanted to say welcome. Glad you're here. Um, glad you chose to be here this morning to, to worship with us, to, to sing praises, to fellowship with one another, and uh, to learn and to study God's Word together. So glad you're here and welcome. Before we get started, I want to just kind of open up in, in prayer and just kind of set the tone and, and allow God just to move uh, throughout the next you know, 30 minutes or so. So let's just go to God before in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be able to be here, to worship you freely. Uh, so many people around the world that, that are suffering and have to worship you in secret, God. And um, we pray for all of our brothers and sisters around the world in Christ that, that are suffering for their faith, God. And we just thank you for the freedoms that you give us here that allow us to be able to openly share our expression of, of our joy and, and our, the honor we want to give you, God. And, and so all this morning, I pray that you would fill this place, just like we sang about in that last song, that you would fill this place, God. You would fill each one of our hearts and our minds and, and just allow us to hear from you, God. So I pray, Lord, you would fill me, that you would speak through me, um, that you would just set me aside, and that these would be your words, God, and that we would all, myself included, would have ears, hearts, and minds open to hear and receive what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So picture with me, if you will, just a kind of a company setting. There's a, a, a boss who created this company, maybe a small business, you know, kind of started from the ground up, knows the business inside out, knows every aspect of this business, knows um, the, the, the environment, knows their, their employees, knows their customer, knows exactly what it needs to get this business to the next level. And he's kind of he shared the vision with the, this, the people that work for them, and, and they've kind of laid out the, the plan and this, you know, the whole uh, plan and vision for this company to, to take it to the next level. And, but there's, there's, there's some employees that they, this, this business owner has that maybe is causing some hiccups, some, some challenges along the way because maybe he hired them, he or she hired them, for um, the purpose of not maybe their necessary skill set of the time, but maybe their potential and saw their potential. And, but in the meantime, there's some, some things that they're struggling through. And there's one employee that maybe, maybe um, see, here's the boss's plan, sees the boss's plan, but thinks, eh, okay, that's good, that's good. But I think, I think my plan might be better. I think I have a better idea of how this could really take off and, and take this business to the next level and because my plan really helps me and helps kind of further my purposes and, and my pocketbook. And so, so there may be that employee that, kind of, as you imagine, would cause some problems, right, for this, for this boss. And maybe there's another employee that, you know, you got to love this employee because they're, they're so enthusiastic. you got to love their energy. Um, they, they love their boss, they love the company they work for, they love their, their fellow employees, and they're just so excited, but maybe, maybe a little too impulsive, right? And so they kind of tend to get ahead of themselves, and they, they jump out and maybe hear part of the boss's plan, and maybe not the full plan, and, and they, they jump out and start acting, and maybe starting to do some things that are actually fighting against what the boss had intended. I mean, you got to love their, their desire and their enthusiasm, but they're, they find themselves kind of fighting against you know, the, the boss's plan. And, 
And then maybe there's other employees that were given the vision and the big picture plan, but didn't really study it, didn't really understand it, um, didn't really prepare themselves with it. And, and maybe they're asked to do certain things, and because they weren't really prepared well enough, they kind of got afraid, and they, they kind of like backed off. Okay, yeah, I, I don't think I can do that. I, I don't want to do that. And they, and, they, and they shy away, and they, and they don't accomplish things because of fear. You've probably maybe seen some of that scenario play out in some of your work environments. Well, today, we're going to look at some similar responses to how some people responded to God's plan. And the characters in the passage we're going to be reading this morning, how they responded to God's plan and how that compares to how Jesus responded to God the Father's plan. Last week, we learned about how Jesus took his disciples with him to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and to prepare themselves for what Jesus knew was coming next. And it's in that setting that we find ourselves in the passage this morning because Mark 14, 43 picks up still while they're in that garden. And so I'm gonna read through the passage this morning and we're gonna then look at a, an overarching question that's gonna build a hole in because there's a lot of information in this, in this passage. We're gonna be kind of focusing on one particular overarching question and how each of the characters in the story answer that question. So let's, let's just read through it this morning, uh, starting in verse 43 of Mark 14. And uh, we have been going through the, the book of Mark. And the last time I preached, I think we were in Mark 1. So that was probably about eight years ago, right? So, um, so it's been a little while, but I'm glad to be back. So let's just go ahead and read, uh, starting in Mark, Mark 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away, lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew out his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now, there's a lot of information in this section of Scripture, and there's some interesting tangents that we can go off on and learn some interesting things about, but for sake of time, we're going to be focusing on one overarching question that we're going to look to answer this morning. And that overarching question that we're going to look at is, is how do we respond to God's plan? How do we respond to God's plan. How did these people in this story, in this, this narrative of Mark, how did they respond to God's plan? With that question in mind, let's dive into the details and look how each of these individuals responded. The first response that we're going to look at today to this overarching question of how do we respond to God's plan is to scheme to change it. The scheme to change it or to try to create one's own plan. 
And let's look at the character in this passage that illustrate this response. Let's go back to the beginning of 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs and sent from the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders. And now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him under guard. Going at once to Jesus, he said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Now we see here that Judas is identified as Judas, one of the 12 disciples. And it's interesting that every, all four Gospels reference Judas with this kind of tagline, Judas, one of the 12 disciples. As far as I'm aware, I don't think any other disciple has that designation when they're, when they're mentioned by name. And what's interesting is that maybe this was identified, he was identified as such because the thought, the very thought that a betrayer would come from such an intimate group that spent so much time with Jesus would be unthinkable. I mean, for Judas was one of 12 special individuals that got to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus every day, watching him heal the sick, cast out demons, give sight to the blind, raise the dead to life. Yet he couldn't get past his own ideas and plans, making his betrayal that much greater and harsh. I mean, Judas often looked how things could do really better himself, disregarding what Jesus truly sought to accomplish. I mean, we know that as the group's treasurer, he often helped himself to the money that he was entrusted to oversee. And we learn about that in John 12, 4 through 6. I mean, Judas merely looked out and acted to further himself and his own ideas. Possibly, possibly Judas saw Jesus as the answer to the Roman oppression. And, and when Jesus wasn't fulfilling that perceived role to, for Judas, maybe he, he then schemed to kind of create his own plan and, and change God's plan by forcing Jesus' hand. And maybe, maybe he thought that if he pushed Jesus into a corner, that Jesus would then be forced to rise up and lead this revolt against the Romans. If so, like most self-minded individuals, the plans of God get kind of pushed aside and ignored for the sake of one's own plans. And usually they find themselves working against God's plan and those plans will then end in disaster as they did with Judas. So we looked at Judas and how he responded to this to God's plan by scheming to kind of create his own plan. Well, another response that we can look at in this answer to this overarching question of how do we respond to God's plan is to fight against it. We read in verses 45 to 47. Again, going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And then the men seized and arrested Jesus. And then one of those standing near drew out a sword 
striking the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. We read here that one of the, one of the 12 gets overzealous and takes out a sword and strikes at one of the, the men in this arresting crowd. Apparently, coming, wanting to come to Jesus' defense. <laughs> as, as if Jesus needed one man with a sword to defend him, right? And although it's not specified here, who this individual was that took out the sword, we can learn from John's account that this individual was Peter. No surprise. <laughs> Since he was often the one that spoke and acted before really thinking things through. And so we learn here that Peter, once again, finds himself fighting against God's plan. And not because he was scheming to, to change God's plan because he didn't trust God's plan, but because he just didn't get the bigger picture yet. I mean, there's no doubt that Peter loved Jesus and was devoted to Jesus. I mean, he gave up everything to follow Jesus. He just didn't allow himself the time to process all that he was seeing and hearing from Jesus to get the bigger picture. He was just too impulsive. There's this TV show I like to watch, and it's got a main character named Jake Peralta. And some of you guys have probably seen this show, and it's pretty funny. But Jake Peralta is a detective. He's in New York, and he's a pretty impulsive character. And he'll, he'll, get, he'll get some information. He'll get some evidence. He'll get some, some, uh, some, some basic information on, on the case and maybe what they're trying to accomplish. And, and he goes and runs with it. He doesn't really step back and, and pull in all the information and gather all the information that he needs. He just takes a little bit and runs with it. And usually when he does that, he finds himself kind of stumbling over himself and either maybe arresting the wrong individual or doing something that compromises the investigation at some level and maybe starts to, to actually go against what his, his captain wants him to do and has, has asked him to do um, because of his impulsiveness. But then he eventually kind of pulls back and he gets all the information after he's messed up enough times and he then looks at all the information and then goes and solves the case. Well, just like this Jake Peralta, Peter, too, acted very impulsively, getting ahead of himself. Find himself really, at times, regretting some of the things that he said and did. I mean, think about it. It was Peter who jumped out of the boat to walk on water to Jesus. Now, give him credit. He had the courage to get out of the boat in the first place. None of the other disciples did that. But he kind of did it without really thinking things through. And so the moment he got out of the boat and started to walk towards Jesus, he took his eyes off Jesus and noticed the, the, the waves are kind of big, you know. And, you know, that's, that's going to hurt me. and I'm going to drown. And glug, 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 glug. And, you know, and he starts to drown. And Jesus got to reach over there and pick him up and save him, you know, from himself. And it was also Peter who, who blurted out, I mean, he, he was one of the few, kind of the inner quad, the inner, you know, inner triad of, of, of Jesus, you know, and, and he was able to be at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ on the mountain. And he, he sees the appearance of Moses and Elijah and gets all excited. He goes, oh my gosh, it's good that we're here. It's good that we're seeing this. Uh, let's make a tent for these guys, each one of them. I mean, he just like blurts things out without really talking, thinking things through and sometimes not making sense. And 
It was also G, G, um, Peter who, who protested against Jesus washing his feet when Jesus was just trying to give him an example of how they should treat one another. It was also Peter who rebukes Jesus, a man rebuking the Son of God, but he rebuked Jesus for when Jesus was saying how he must suffer and die. And to the point where he was fighting against God's plan so much that at that moment Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're working against my plan. Obviously, Peter was a very impulsive individual. However, we do see later on that Peter does get it and becomes an amazing leader of the first century church. But for now, once again, he kind of steps in it and finds himself fighting against God's plan. I mean, luckily, he only cut the guy's ear off, right? I mean, think of it, if, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't his intention. If he was actually successful and struck the guy in the head and killed him, he probably would have been you know, hauled off and thrown in prison the rest of his life or more likely executed for murder and would never have been able to be used by God to go and do the things that he did for God. It's one of those pretty amazing examples of God's amazing grace, saving one from themselves. I know I've experienced that on multiple occasions. So we've learned how, how Judas schemed to kind of change God's plan and create his own, and how Peter, through impulsiveness, fought against God's plan. Another answer or response to this overarching question of how do we respond to God's plan is to run in fear from it. Skipping down to verses 50 to 52, we read, Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. So we read here how all of Jesus' disciples ran away and fled in fear. We also read about this unnamed individual. And what's interesting is Mark is the only one that mentions this particular character in this narrative. The consensus is that this was probably Mark himself. And you could probably see why he didn't mention himself by name. <laughs> not a good representation of oneself. But it's also not unusual to mention yourself in a narrative without actually mentioning yourself by name. I mean, John did that multiple times in the Gospel of John by referring to himself as the one that Jesus loved and not actually calling himself out by name. <laughs> 